Hello everyone, thank you for joining me, and this is lecture number 12. We are on page 28, chapter 3. We're just going to jump right in to the book. He kept standing there. He was exactly the kind of guy that wouldn't get out of your light when you asked him to. He'd do it, finally, but it took him long, a lot longer if you had asked him to. What the hell are you reading, he said. Goddamn book. He shoved my book back with his hands so that he could see the name of it. Any good, he said. This sentence I'm reading is terrific. I can be quite sarcastic when I'm in the mood. He didn't get it, though. So as you can see, Ackley rebels in his little ways and being stubborn. He gives in, but he feels as if he has to maintain some power and freedom in his choices. As when someone asks him to do something, he does it in his own manner. As you can see here, you know, he told him to move. He would do it, but he takes far longer. If he were to tell him to put something back, he'd put it back on not how he found it, just to, in a way, assert his dominance and to assert that little freedom and to make it seem like I'm doing this of my own free will and I'm not allowing you. I'm not doing this because you told me to do it, right? As you can see that you may know people who are like that and they quite irritate you. Maybe you're like that. It's a, I feel like it's, it's quite immature, I believe. And I also think this passage is a great example of their relationship. As you can see, they both quite annoy one another and they tease one another. It's, it's still like in this loving manner, though it's not as overt, but it could still feel like the underlying love and fondness for one another which typically happens when you have this sort of teasing relationship or a relationship with another individual in whom you enjoy annoying, it amuses you, and vice versa. And perhaps what keeps Holden and Ackley from becoming really best friends since they spend so much time together is apparent, or at least I pick this up from the last sentence, when Holden is being sarcastic this sentence I'm reading is terrific. He says, I can be quite sarcastic when I'm in the mood. He didn't get it though. And I think that's key that he didn't get it because I think if Ackley could pick up his sarcasm, then they could actually have a great relationship, right? It's, they don't share the same sense of humor. And if you don't share the same sense of humor, someone you, you can't ever get past that level of being comfortable with one another and being good friends, right? It's awkward if you, if you just don't have the same sense of humor as somebody, it's very awkward, it's very uncomfortable. You can't really have that great relationship, especially even if we want to, if even, even if you want to be nice and you want to be good friends with someone and vice versa, if they laugh at a joke, once they realize you're joking and it's fake, it's just not fun, right? Or if you do it, it you still feel very awkward around each other because you don't understand their humor and you guys don't share that same, the same kind of humor. It doesn't work in any sort of relationship, really. And I think this is perhaps why they still feel very uncomfortable around one another. If he's spending this much time with them every single day, you would think that they would be comfortable. You wouldn't see this awkward behavior by Ackley as he's like picking up things and kind of wandering around. They'd be comfortable, correct? Back to the book. He started walking around the room again, picking up all my personal stuff and stride ladders. Finally, I put my book down on the floor. You couldn't read anything with a guy like Ackley around. It was impossible. Here we see the nervous habit of Ackley, once again, having to walk around, let go of that nervous energy, pick up things for no real reason. 
it's just something to do when you feel nervous and uncomfortable. We all have these like tics and some of us, or some of us suffer with high anxiety, right? You may know of someone or you may be this person in which you're so anxious that you're just constantly fidgety and it's this, you have this nervous energy and I know people like that. You try to calm them down, but it's hard because they start making you feel nervous because they're just, they can't sit still. If there was such a thing as a chill pill, it'd be great to give them. I guess there is, right? Some sort of medication that a lot of individuals are on now. We see Holden finally giving in to his relinquishing of his book. He puts his book down, right? Finally. But it's interesting that Ackley, he can't sit still and just relax because Holden invited him to take a seat, but he still doesn't do it. He has to get up and just walk around. And then Ackley's persistence and presence is just undeniable to ignore, right? He stood in his light. He's stubborn in his will. He maintains being in the room, no matter how awkward the situation is or how uncomfortable it is, Ackley just still cannot, like he wants to be social with Holden in some odd way, right? He doesn't, perhaps he doesn't feel that awkwardness. Maybe he's that like awkward that, <laughs> The awkwardness doesn't, he doesn't resonate with it. He doesn't uh, feel enveloped by it. It's quite odd, isn't it? That he just doesn't, like he constantly comes in, but it doesn't seem like it's comfortable. It doesn't seem enjoyable for either of them. Perhaps this is just that incessant need of human beings, that yearning and desire of social interaction. Even if it isn't the best, we still want it. And perhaps this is why I actually just needs to go and talk to somebody or hang around someone who doesn't kick him out. Do you relate with Holden in this passage at all? Do you know someone like Ackley in which you can't do anything, you can't focus? It says you couldn't read anything with a guy like Ackley around is impossible. This, there's certain people we can be around, whether it be friends or boyfriend, girlfriend, whomever, coworker, where you can, you both can be doing your work, you can read, you both, Right? You can do work, homework, whatever it is, with the other individual in the same room as you, and you can both, you feel comfortable, you don't have to constantly be talking. It doesn't feel, it doesn't at all ever feel like you can't, you don't feel unproductive. I like those uh, relationships, I'm sure you have the, oh, many of those. And then there's some people that you can't get anything done, and it, you have them on both sides, right? Like the one who's just annoying, who just constantly annoys you or makes you feel uncomfortable, like Ackley here. And then there's the better token and better side of it where you have somebody who you love to be around, but sometimes you just can't. If you actually have work that needs to be done, you can't hang out with them because they're just constantly making you laugh or being, you know, a goof, right? But this is not really Ackley. So, but think about it yourself. Back to the book. I slid way the hell down in my chair and watched old Ackley making himself at home. I was feeling sort of tired from the trip to New York and all, and I started yawning. So once Ackley is finally comfortable, you can see Holden is now becoming far more comfortable. He's sliding down his chair. He's seeing, watching him get comfortable. Then he's starting to relax. He's feeling tired now all of a sudden. And his presence isn't really a nuisance and disturbance anymore. And then now that Holden is feeling a little, a little bored and comfortable, he is going to horse around like we will see in this next passage. So let's get right back in the book. 
Sometimes I horse around quite a lot just to keep from getting bored. What I did was I pulled the old peak of my hunting cap around to the front, then pulled it way down over my eyes. That way I couldn't see a goddamn thing. I think I'm going blind, I said in this very hoarse voice. Mother darling, everything's getting so dark in here. You're nuts, I swear to God, Ackley said. Mother darling, give me your hand. Why won't you give me your hand? For Christ's sake, grow up. So Ackley calls Holden nuts, right? Calling him crazy since it's always thought of as crazy if someone's to act playful like this, to try to make things fun. It's unfortunate. And I want to point this out because we know that Holden ends up in a mental institution of some sort, has a mental breakdown. Therefore, one can call him crazy, right? Call him a madman. And here's Ackley calling him nuts and saying that word is, he's not really playing around with them. It seems like he's more annoyed of it. And so it's kind of demeaning and it does make someone perhaps aid to this idea of Holden being crazy. And it's unfortunate. It's like when in modern society, right? Like it's, it's hard to be a human in an inhuman society and it's hard to stay sane in a society that's crazy. And then we have Holden here trying to express his playfulness with Ackley, right? He feels comfortable now, he can relax. Ackley's relaxed, so he feels, when you feel comfortable, you feel that it's all right to be, you know, more playful, more childish in a manner, to make things fun. And he uses the honey hat here too as an aid because it's his unique personality and he pulls it over his eyes, right? Starts playing around, trying to act out the scenario like you do when you're, when you're children, or even when you're adults, you still could do with friends. They both just pretend and play parts. It's fun, right? But Ackley doesn't play along here, which we can see once again why they may not be best friends because it would be interesting if Ackley would play along with them, right? Because then they would have this bond, this relationship. They would have fun with one another. I'm certain that your best friend or best friends that you had in the past, if you don't have friends anymore, you were very playful with one another, right? You guys could be goofy like this, and it was always the most enjoyable times. You could have the serious talks, but probably nine out of 10 times, you guys were joking around and being kind of goofballs like this. And it's fun, you like hanging out with people like that. But Ackley doesn't, doesn't ever play along, and I wonder why. Perhaps he is just antisocial, and that makes him very awkward. He may lack the confidence in himself to to allow himself to, to show that side because he may, he has to have that playful side within him. I think everyone does at a certain point, perhaps he gets lost, but I don't think we've ever encountered a child who is just so stern and serious, right? Always solemn. They may be that way early in life because of the parents and the people around them, but. I'm sure if you try to play with any kid, they're willing to be playful. They're excited about it, right? And it's interesting that Ackley also is trying to tell Holden to grow up. This is important because it's this idea where he can't be, it's almost this idea where he can't have fun, right? You want to have fun, you want to play around, but then that's considered childish. And we have Ackley here telling them to grow up, calling him nuts for acting this way. And it's not playing along, it's more annoyed. And maybe this is Ackley trying to assert this idea that he's older, he's more solemn and stern in his disposition. He doesn't have time to be a child and play games and he's not this Ackley kid, as Holden calls him. 
he's two years older, so maybe this is another reason why he doesn't want to play around with them. What are your thoughts? And what kind of individuals do you like hanging out with? I tend to like these kind of people the way that Holden is acting, personally, because I think that's a testament to someone's character that if they're willing to, you know, be playful, it typically means they're more confident in themselves. They're not, they're not shy and they're not worried about making themselves look like a fool or being ridiculed or criticized. And when you're around those people, you can play around too, and it's fun. Not enough people play around. I think too many people are solemn. The vast majority of life, it doesn't have to be that serious. There's times to be serious, but most of it's not. People take things way too seriously. It's unfortunate. Let's get back to the book. I started groping around in front of me like a blind guy, but without getting up or anything, I kept saying, Mother darling, why won't you give me your hand? I was only horsing around, naturally. That stuff gives me a bang sometimes. Besides, I know it annoyed the hell out of old Ackley. He always brought out the old sadist in me. I was pretty sadistic with him quite often. So to this passage, something that I think alludes to something far larger is Holden pulling the hunting cap over his eyes because he's blinding himself. He's putting himself, he's willfully blinding himself into darkness and he's looking for Ackley to help him out of it, right? To help him out of this darkness, to illuminate the darkness for him. And Ackley's not giving him a hand, he's not helping out, he's not playing along. He's leaving Holden in the darkness. Even though they're playing around, I think this is alluding to something greater. And I believe in later chapters, um, there's another instance how this all ties together, and I will tie those two together. But just think about it. It is quite interesting, right? But anyways, uh, Holden has this idea of being an individual with the hat, the red hunting cap, this, this outrageous kind of unique article of clothing that individuals really don't wear just for fashion purposes. He pulls it in front of his head, pulls it in front of his eyes, so that way he can't see. He's remaining, he's trying to remain in ignorance, correct? Remain in the darkness, remain a child, remain ignorant. And then he's asking for his mother, right? As a child who asks for his mother, looking for help. It's getting so dark here, please help me. And Ackley won't help him out, right? Mother darling, give me your hand. Why won't you give me your hand? Why won't you help me out? I think this is what it's actually alluding to. Holden willfully blinding himself, trying to stay as a child, and then pretending and acting like a child here, right? He's telling him to grow up. Yeah, he's trying to play around, but I think it's alluding to something far greater. His desire to remain a child and he will even blind himself and will purposely remain ignorant if that means he will keep his innocence, keep his youth. So he blinds himself, doesn't get the help, won't be into the light, is not getting let out. And if he did play around and help him out, perhaps this would allow Holden to get to the other side of being an adult, an adult right? Because he could think, um, actually the adult world isn't as bad as I thought it was. It can still be fun, I, right? It's not, it doesn't have to all be so grave and solemn. But he's with the wrong people. He met, he's met Mr. Spencer, who was terrible, right? And now Ackley doesn't really seem like the, the friend on the journey that's going to help him out in the hero's journey. He's not there to help him out. He's not even trying to help him out. And it's almost as paradox as this, as if though he made himself willfully blind and acting childish, if, if Ackley played along and was playful and didn't tell him to grow up, it could perhaps and he, like lead him out act like he was his mother be like you you can see you can see or oh we're gonna have it you 
we're gonna buy books for braille or here put a piano in front of you because then you can automatically play better because it seems as if you turn blind all of a sudden you're great at playing the piano right something of that nature then maybe Holden will realize oh wait actually you know growing up isn't that isn't that terrible of a thing right maybe the adult world is not scary also lastly when he's saying he's groping around in front of him and not getting up it's almost as if he's not he's not propelling himself he's not taking action he's remaining idle he's not taking that step to actually want to proceed from adolescence into adulthood or at least take the steps to adulthood he's looking for someone else to to take him by the hand and pull him up to it like most people I know I've struggled with that and I'm sure you have or may still be struggling with it many of us want people to do things for us we want to remain children we we want less responsibility which means less freedom but we want to push all the responsibility on someone else to have someone else take care of us whether it be parents or the government or various you know businesses whatever it may be and here Holden wants Ackley to help him out and pull him out lead him but it's the wrong person to lead him right because Ackley's a kid as well even though he's 18 he doesn't seem more mature this is the one of his examples that he gets to look up to even though he's a junior Holden he's a junior and Ackley's a senior there's a two-year age difference so you would expect Ackley to be more mature and could be that guiding force for Holden acting more as an older brother correct but he doesn't as you can see he he's more childish I believe than Holden more insecure doesn't really know the world he can't really help him out and that's probably why he isn't helping him out also to this passage when Holden says that that stuff gives him a bang sometimes do you relate with this? I can kind of relate with with this in regards to when you horse around and mess with someone who finds it annoying, it, it kind of, it is amusing, right? If you play around with them all the time because you know that it annoys them. And it annoys them in not a malicious way, not in a malevolent way. It's, it's quite, it's teasing. It's kind of like this where, you know, it doesn't truly, truly annoy the person. It's more like pestering them. It's not causing them real damage or real anger, right? It, it's, it's coming from a place of fondness. I don't know if you do this to people that you may do something that seems very trivial, but you know that it annoys this person. If you see them, you do this. I had a friend like that who was great. And perhaps also, actually, I wonder if he actually likes this. He may seem annoyed by it, but perhaps he, he does enjoy it. He doesn't want to admit to it, right? Maybe the teasing from Holden or Holden call him Ackley kid with the nickname, maybe he does like it. What do you think? Because I think it's apparent that Holden is not calling him Ackley kid or doing this thing to really be nefarious at or hurt, you know, Ackley's feelings. I definitely don't think that's the case. I think Holden enjoys it because it allows for, maybe it's the only way they have a relationship and the only way he can put up with Ackley. Additionally, Ackley may enjoy Holden acting this way in regards to being like playful and childish and horsing around. 
because maybe he feels special in a manner that Holden is showing this side, feels comfortable enough to show this side of himself to Ackley. And lastly, we have Holden explicitly admitting that he purposely says and does things that he knows annoys Ackley, right? And earlier in the chapter, he was saying how Ackley does things to purposely annoy Holden. So I wanted to point this out because once again, this is how they are similar. Though they're different, they have things that are very similar. And this, is, this may be why they're drawn to one another, even though they both may not want to admit it. And we don't get to see things from Ackley pers Ackley's perspective, but maybe Ackley does know what he's doing when he's you know, messing with things. Like he says, he puts things back on purpose, puts things back wrongly on purpose. Perhaps that makes that, he may know that that annoys Holden and it brings him pleasure the same way that Holden does these things because it brings him pleasure. You know, they're both sadistic at times. I think they have a lot more in common than both want to admit is what I'm trying to summarize and conclude. Wouldn't you agree? Back to the book. Finally, I quit though. I pulled the peak round to the back again and relaxed. Who belongs to this, Ackley said. He was holding my roommate's knee supporter up to show me. That guy Ackley pick up anything. He'd even pick up your jock strap or something. I told him it was Stradladder's. So he chucked it on Stradladder's bed. He got off Stradladder's chiffonier, so he chucked it on the bed. Holden let out his nature, he got to joke around, he's able to relax now. And then Holden exaggerated using hyperbole about Ackley picking up things that he'd pick up a jock strap or something. Lastly, Holden shows how Ackley picks things up and puts them in the wrong place. He says he got this knee supporter off the chiffonier so he chucks it on the bed and then says it one more time and emphasizes so he chucked it on the bed <laughs> and this i think shows that ackley does know what he's doing it's quite humorous it's amusing he is definitely doing it on purpose and it brings some pleasure and <laughs> it probably annoys holden but you know when someone does something that's so annoying like this but it's trivial you just can't help but laugh I'm sure in a way, when he thinks back, he cracks he cracks himself up about it. If, if you have a friend that annoys you, I know this is very common when someone's telling a story about somebody that annoys them all the time, right? Whether it be a coworker, a roommate, whomever it is, and they're recounting an anecdote and the way they're telling it, it makes you laugh because that person is so absurd. And this individual's like, no, they're so annoying. They do this and this. like. Ackley's behavior, but we can't help but find it amusing, right? You may know those people like in your life and they're the kind of individuals in whom they annoy you if you're around them on a daily basis, but if you're away from them and you get to observe from a distance and you're hearing everything from someone else, from their perspective, you find that character amazing, right? I compare these characters to a character like an Eric Cartman or Ackley here, or like a Michael Scott. These characters where we love them, but if you had to deal with them every day, you would find them completely annoying, right? But if 
someone's telling you stories about what they do and their annoying habits, you just can't help but find this character amusing. You love that character. You want to hear what they did next, right? Back to the book. He came over and sat down on the arm of Stradlatter's chair. He never sat down in a chair, just always on the arm. Where the hell did you get that hat, he said. New York, how much? A buck. You got robbed. So Ackley, like all the others he mentioned, sit on the chair, the arm of the chair. They don't sit in the chair. That is what, that is what Holden told us in, earlier in the chapter. So Ackley may just be doing what every other individual does at that school. He says that he never sat down in the chair, but he mentioned that no one sat down in the chairs and all their arms were all messed up in the chair if you return to the beginning of the, chap beginning of the chapter. So Ackley, in his own manner, conforms to everyone else. And may, this may prove that though Ackley is so different and antisocial in a manner, in a way, he still wants to relate. And I think in a, a grander scheme, no matter how individualistic you attempt to be, I know I try to do that sometimes, I'm sure you do as well. There's certain parts of society in which you can't escape. There's certain parts of your culture in which you can't escape. It's so ingratiated in you. You cannot, you live within the society, within the culture, so you cannot completely escape it. And there's some things that you do that conform to everyone else's behavior. That's not unique, right? And maybe you want to fit in whatever it may be. I'm sure you have your own. Some people were less concerned about it, but let us say you want you want to pride yourself at being as being different, as not being like the herd or the masses. There has to be something in which you, whether you like a t watch a TV show or on some social media platform, you know, listen to some some podcast, eat some kind of food, go to some brewery, brewery drink some drink of food, whatever. Whatever it may be, there's something that that you do that a vast majority of individuals do as well. And I think this is telling of Ackley's character. Though he's very different, he still wants to conform and still does things that the rest of the kids in his little culture at Pensy Prep do, which is never to sit in the chair. It's not the cool thing, I'm assuming. Also, Ackley is concerned about money once again, because he, at first he asked Holden about the fencing equipment, correct? As if he asked if Holden had to pay, pay back the, the school for losing the equipment. And now he's asking about how much the hat cost. So the theme, the constant worrying about money, this is what the primary concern is, how much something costs, right? Do you have to pay it back? money is just very important to many of us it has to be though for those who say it isn't it's not true you we live in a society that's based around cash well you know credit cards money just everything's monetary so there's no way to escape it of course the degree of how much you care differs but there's really those who try to say that they don't think about money, it's a lie. Unless you're extremely rich and don't have to worry about money, then sure. But if you're on the other side of the spectrum, if you're extremely poor, you worry about money 24-7, correct? If you're an individual who struggles to pay rent from day to day. I'm sure there's many right now during COVID, which is unfortunate. I found it personally very amusing when Ackley tells Holden he's got robbed. 
<laughs> right? Like, Ackley's is a hilarious character. He's one of my favorite characters in the book just because, like I mentioned, he's that annoying character that you wouldn't want to be around on a daily basis, but from a distance, he's humorous. Lastly, I want to say that Salinger does a great job with language. It's going to come up many times. It may, you may have already seen it, especially in the way that Holden speaks, but look at the way that the, he speaks and his classmates speak and the way the adults speak. And as we see later in the book, he meets a, a variety of adults and I'll point out their language as well. Salinger really captures the way that they speak to one another at this time, the teenagers, right? When they say like, God damn, Christ's sake, Helja, it's very important to get to get that speech right because if they're speaking in Victorian English, it would make no sense, right? So one has to get the language right. When you read the conversation with Ackley and Holden, it it does seem correct in the way that teenagers speak to one another, right? And you can probably imagine the way that teenagers speak today or even the way you speak with friends versus adults and you see the language change from Holden as well. Back to the book. He, Ackley, started cleaning his goddamn fingernails with the end of a match. He was always cleaning his fingernails. It was funny in a way. His teeth were always mossy looking and his ears were always dirty as hell, but he was always cleaning his fingernails. I guess he thought that made him a very neat guy. One thing I want to point out that I think is very important is Look at how many details Holden is giving to us, the readers, and to whoever he's speaking to, a therapist. All the details about Ackley. It's very specific, and we pay attention to things we care about and that we love, whether we want to admit it or not. And I think, and maybe it's because he sees them all the time, but you can't help but develop a love for a person that you see every day. It may not be, it's a different kind of love, right? And he pays attention to me, he knows all these details. Even the minor things, the way he, he's always cleaning his nails, right? The way his ears look, his teeth look. He, this nonstop information about Ackley, the way he looks, the way he acts. But a lot of focus on his physical appearance, at least here, right? Perhaps because it's so grotesque in a way that one can't help but be, you know, disgusted by it. Furthermore, I think it is humorous that we all have things that we are fastidious about in regards to what we keep clean and we're maybe, you know, OCD about and things that we are slobs of. Every one of us. No one's a complete slob and no one's a complete, like here, Ackley's not a complete slob. And you may know slobs in your life, right? Who are just extremely messy. They live just this chaotic life. There is something that they're very organized and neat about. And then even the most organized individuals who seem like they may be germaphobes, very clean, there's going to be something about them that doesn't really fit because you're gonna be like, wait, what? You don't really mind this? This does disgust you or you're not, you let that be dirty, right? You may know, you may know a person who prides himself as being very clean and even a self, um, you know, self-declared germaphobe, but there's going to be things that you think, why isn't he worried about this or she worried about this? And think about it in your own life. I thought about it when I was reading this. Me personally, 
I, when I had a car, I kept that spotless inside. And there's certain things about my, my place that I have to keep clean. Like I have to make my bed. I can't stand a messy bed. As soon as I'm out of it, I have to make it. Like I can never leave dishes in the sink. My desk has to be cleared out. But in regards to things that I don't, I'm not as particular about is I can go a whole week perhaps without vacuuming. Um, I don't like cleaning the bathroom, right? That sort of thing. Or my shell, not shells, but like drawers where I put clothes in or journals or whatever it may be. I, I keep it organized for the first week and then I don't clean it again for like a month. I'll just shove things in because it's out of sight, out of mind kind of idea. And that's where I'm dirty at. And think about it in your own life. Back to the book. He took another look at my hat while he was cleaning them. Up home, we wear a hat like that to shoot deer in. For Christ's sake, he said, that's a deer shooting hat. Like hell it is, I took it off and looked at it. I sort of closed one eye, like I was taking aim at it. This is a people shooting hat, I said. I shoot people in this hat. So Ackley finally makes a comment on the hat itself. So at first he just asked how much it was. But he's saying that it, it's, it's not, he's not wearing it appropriately, right? It's meant for it to be a deer shooting hat. Where he's from, people wear that hat to shoot deer in. Holden's disagreeing and trying to be playful, but it also is kind of a disturbing joke, isn't it? Him saying it's a people shooting hat. I, how'd you feel when you read that? I thought that was quite dark. I thought of Foster and the People song, you know? It's not there, it's all pumped up kicks. That song it was just I think it's quite disturbing that he said that and perhaps he finds deer innocent but people not so would rather shoot people than deer this idea of, of course we all know Bambi if you haven't seen it I don't spoiler alert the mother gets killed by a hunter in like the first five minutes of the film because it's Disney and in Disney films the parents always die if you haven't noticed that yet there's a pattern the parents die and perhaps also i want to say that the honey hat may be a symbol to holden as in a way that protects them against people for instance like a gun would right a people shooting hat but this hat keeps him protected from the world protected from individuals and he wears it on his head so maybe it's a way to protect his mind protect his psyche not to allow other people to infiltrate and change him and force him to conform, at least in his mind, because I, it shows that he already is conforming, but that hat gives him a unique individuality, right? You see the hat, you say, oh, that's an individual there. And so that's why he wears that. It's, a, it's keeping that unique part of himself, the part that he finds special, that he feels is still pure, that isn't, has not been tainted by the world or shaped and formed in order to fit the mold of what you're supposed to be in the world. Maybe that is what he means by a people shooting hat, comparing it to being a gun, a protection from people, a protection from the world in order to preserve his own psyche, his own mind, his own being, so that he doesn't have to become somebody that he doesn't want to be or he feels he's not. But once again, the problem is he doesn't know who he is. He's a child still, he doesn't know who he is. He hasn't figured it out. So when individuals try to claim that Holden's issue is trying to remain true in a world that's phony, 
trying to be your right true to himself in a world that's full of phonies, that's full of appearances, and wants individuals to conform. How is he supposed to do that? But the issue is Holden does not know who he is and who does. The vast majority of us do not. Many of us live our whole lives without really knowing. There's a reason so many of us human beings have existential crises, midlife, the midlife crisis, right? Because they're living all this, this entire life. It seems like they have their whole life together, whether they're married, have kids, a career, yet they still feel like this isn't me. This isn't my life. I don't know who I am. And they look and search for their own identity, right? They may buy a motorcycle, color their hair, start wearing a leather jacket, I don't know. Everyone has their own thing because they're trying to assert their individuality, find out who they are because it gets lost. And maybe Holden at this moment feels like he's losing his identity. He's in this critical period in his life at 16. He's, there's gonna be many of them in life, but this is a crucial one as well. And it's shifting, he's becoming more conscious and he's going to have to change. He can't remain a child, right? It's a sad sight when you, when you do meet a 40 year old who still acts like he's 16 or she. One has to change. I mean, change is the only lasting truth, honestly. But we will leave off there and we will pick it up on the next lecture on page 30. Thank you for listening. Bye.